McMartin Preschool, and Evelyn Hernandez. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. For this week, we focus on two unique cases. The first is of the McMartin Preschool scandal, and the other is the little-known case of Evelyn Hernandez. Get ready for scary mysteries, Twisted Twos. Raid Shadow Legends is the awesome RPG game that takes you into a world of dark fantasy and realism. And the craziest thing is, it's completely free to play on both your PC and mobile devices. What I personally like best about the game is going into the campaign battle mode because this is where you can increase the XP of your new champions, make them stronger, and win artifacts and tons of silver. Right now, they have the brand new Tag Team Arena, which is the next level of competition in player versus player battles. And since it's brand new, the developers are giving out some special rewards soon to whoever manages to finish high up in the rankings, so get on there before they go. You can find me on the game under the name Scary Mist if you want to team up. Go to the video description below, click on the special links, and if you are a new player, you will get 100,000 silver plus one free champion, Jotun. Jotun is a badass champion for new players because he's already a level 60, plus he's jacked and has a giant molten sword. All this treasure will be waiting for you here. It's only available for the next 30 days, so good luck, and I'll see you on there. Number 1. McMartin Preschool Scandal Satanic Rituals and Sexual Abuse These two are at the core of the infamous McMartin Preschool Scandal, that broke out in Manhattan Beach, California during the 1980s. First reported in 1983, the sexual abuse allegations became a nationwide sensation as testimony from children over possible sexual abuse by its daycare workers and teachers were uncovered one by one. But despite the years of trials and testimonies, no one has ever been charged with the crime. It began with Judy Johnson accusing her husband, Ray Bucky, a teacher and grandson of the founders of the McMartin Preschool, of sodomizing their young son. The two were already estranged, but when Judy noticed her son suffered pain during bowel movements, she became suspicious. In addition to the sexual abuse allegation against her estranged husband, Judy also accused Peggy McMartin, the school administrator, and Ricky's mother, of drilling a child under the arms. She continued to allege that those involved in the preschool were into animal sacrifices and much worse. Because of the serious allegations, Ray Bucky was called in for questioning. However, authorities could not find any evidence proving that there was abuse happening or had occurred at the school. Police then sent out a letter to all the 200-plus parents of the children from the school informing them that their child could be a victim of sexual abuse. In the following year, in 1984, over 360 victims were identified. But soon, a problem surfaced. Those who conducted the children's interviews were found to have used highly suggestive techniques, leading jurors and later on people to question whether the children were really abused or were simply led to believe they were and ended up creating false confessions out of an aim to please their interviewers. Others say the line of questioning done by the Children's Institute International led to something called a false memory syndrome in the children. When the recorded sessions were viewed by an expert witness, 
a clinical psychologist and psychiatry professor, said the questioning and interview techniques were problematic. It was so adult-oriented that in the transcript, you get more of the adults talking and interpreting what the children were saying in their own way instead of being a plain account by the child. Because of the uncertainty of the testimonies and the questionable techniques and how they were obtained, the jury refused to convict anybody with a crime. There was also another problem with the testimonies. They were sometimes so bizarre and conflicting, no one knew what to make of them. Some children said they were flown by witches and brought into a tunnel. There were even kids who said they were taken into hot air balloons. At least one child picked out actor Chuck Norris as among his abusers in a photo lineup. In an effort to look for evidence about the children's stories, an excavation at the school was done, and while it uncovered remnants of the old structure it was built on, there were no tunnels ever found. Then Judy Johnson, the initial accuser of Ray Buckley, was found to be suffering from schizophrenia prior to the allegations. Johnson herself admitted this to the prosecution, and they held off that information from the defense. The prosecution was also alleged to have withheld other evidence that could exonerate Bucky and the other defendants. 1986, before the trials began, Judy Johnson died from complications because she had been a steady alcoholic and by then diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. During the preliminary hearing, there were a total of seven accused, including most of the Bucky family, as well as the teachers from the preschool. However, there was little to no evidence pointing to an exact crime. All the testimonies were inconsistent and there were strong indications the children's testimonies were influenced by two so-called experts of satanic ritual abuse. Lawrence Pazder and Michelle Smith both have been discredited as experts. The two spoke to the parents and the families prior to the hearing. By 1987, when the first trial began, Ray Bucky and Peggy McMartin were the accused. After three years, Peggy was acquitted of all allegations. Meanwhile, her son, Ray, still had a long way to go. Although he was cleared of 52 of the accusations, there were 13 remaining. In the end, the first trial ended in a deadlock with nine out of the 11 jurors voting not guilty. But because of the sensational nature of the case, media reports continued to pursue the jurors who believed Bucky was guilty. A second trial was then held in May of 1990, and like the first one, this concluded in a hung jury. Finally, after five years in jail, Bucky was released and all charges dropped. The McMartin Preschool case has gone down in history as one of the most controversial cases of ritual abuse in the United States. Many believe the children were abused while others say there was no abuse at all and that the accusation stemmed from Judy Johnson's schizophrenia. It was then picked up by others who believed the abuse happened and looked for clues, pushing for their agenda, whether they realized it or not. At the time, there was a satanic panic, so to speak, going around so everybody simply assumed the accusations were real. No one, not even the media or other people, questioned whether what the children said was true or simply coaxed out of them by therapists. Even more shocking, one of the accusers made a public apology in 2005 saying he had lied about everything. He said at the time he just told the therapist what they wanted to hear. Even though he initially said nothing happened and Ray Bucky never touched him, he later said he was molested just so the interviewer would stop. 
and so that he could please his parents. He also said making up stories about the accused made him feel special, like he was important, which is why he kept at it. Number 2. Evelyn Hernandez Murder cases often involve women. In some instances, they make the news headlines. In others, they get a minor mention, then promptly forgotten. Such was the case with Evelyn. A single mother to a five-year-old, she came from El Salvador at the age of 14. Working as a vocational nurse, she lived in San Francisco with her son, Alexander. In 2002, Evelyn was nine months pregnant and ready to give birth within a week or two. She, along with some friends and family, were getting ready by preparing a baby shower. On May 1st, 2002, she took her child Alex to daycare, headed to the ATM to get money, and went on in preparations for the baby shower. Later, she was seen picking up her son from school, but after that, the two completely vanished. The only clue found days later was Evelyn's wallet. It was discovered in the parking lot with some money inside as well as a disability check. It took some time before anyone reported her and her son missing. The person that called police was Evelyn's boyfriend and father to her unborn child, Herman Aguilar. There were reports Aguilar wasn't happy that Evelyn was giving birth soon. Even more, he was actually a married man. Evelyn had no idea and, in fact, didn't believe the news until he called Aguilar's mother. She then confirmed Aguilar was married to somebody already. As for Aguilar's wife, it said she had known about Evelyn's existence but didn't know she was carrying his child. Whether this is true or not, though, remains debated. Aguilera was asked for his whereabouts during Evelyn's disappearance, but his wife said he was at home. Herman was never formally named a suspect in Evelyn's disappearance. He was fully cooperative with the initial investigation, but later declined to help. Evelyn's due date came and went. Days turned into weeks and then months. Then, on July 24, 2002, a torso of a dead female was seen floating in the San Francisco Bay. Police recovered that torso, wearing a maternity blouse. They also recovered a pair of legs. The head, feet, and other body parts were nowhere to be found. It would take a full year before DNA tests would show the remains belonged to missing Evelyn Hernandez. Her son Alex and her unborn child, who was going to be named Fernando, are still missing. Evelyn's case was only a minor blip on the media's radar, though in contrast to the similar case of Lacey Peterson. Seven months after Evelyn's body parts washed ashore in the San Francisco Bay, another female body of a pregnant woman was found in the area, and it was that of Lacey Peterson. Although both women disappeared within months of each other, and both were pregnant at the time, Lacey's case received far more national attention. Police and media quickly covered Peterson's case from start to the end of the trial, of which her husband, Scott, was found guilty, despite slim to none physical evidence. Many have noted the difference in media coverage and treatment of the two cases. A lot accused the media, in Peterson's case, as exhibiting the missing white woman syndrome, where a woman of color or of lower socioeconomic class are given lesser coverage in the news, thus lowering the chances of getting help from people who might have information about the case. Today, this kind of media reporting, a preference for white missing women or children over those of color or of lower economic status, 
are still rampant. So there were two of the most terrifying and scary stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted 2s is always sure to show you why. If you like this video, then please subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.